The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens-Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello, and welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast, where today we radiate a richer life with David Delisle, who is the author of The Golden Quest, Your Journey to a Rich Life, which is surprisingly a graphic novel, and it's just adorable. Thank you for joining me today, David. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm really excited about this conversation, Christy. It'll be great. I think so, too. So your book, it's a kid's book, ostensibly. Yeah, well, it's funny because it's a kid's book. It's a graphic novel, but it's really... A disguised adult book. I wrote it in this guise so the kids could actually teach the adults. Oh, I love that. You know, I really love graphic novels and I'm glad that you said it was for adults because I was really enjoying it as I was reading through it. So I could sum it up, but I think it's best if you sum it up. What is your book about? So it's really a little boy goes on an adventure to learn, basically goes on this journey to lead a richer life and encounters different mentors along the way that teach him different lessons. And as you said, it's a kid's book. So I try to keep the messages extremely simple, but messages that will resound with adults as well. Because for myself, someone who's invested and been into money my entire life, I realized like really it doesn't have to be complicated. It's mindset, habits, and the rest just sort of happens. And so that's what I try to do with this book is keep it really simple, simple, but powerful. Well, and going through it, Yes, it is simple and, you know, children can understand it and everything. But yeah, the point of adults as well, I mean, you start off with saying, just buy the awesome stuff. Don't spend your money on frivolous things. Just go for the things that are going to give you the most joy in life. And that feeling of joy and what do you really like seems to be a through line in the book. Is that what your intention was? For sure. Like that to me is the sort of core essence of this. And really a message that we don't hear enough about when we think about money or living a rich life or doing these things. Usually we quickly start thinking about how can we have more? What are the lessons to have more? How do we save? How do we grow our money? How do we get to the next thing? And what happens is if that's the only lesson we ever learn, we never have enough. It's always what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? Because that's all we've learned. So this mindset piece of really understanding what's important to you is so, so important. And that's why I talked about simple lessons. So only buy the awesome stuff. It sounds so simple and it is so simple. But once you start recognizing the power in that, you start recognizing, well, what am I actually surrounding myself with? Who am I spending time with? How am I working? What am I consuming? What am I filling my house with? 
is this the stuff I love or is this just more? And that changes everything, especially if you start seeing five-year-olds, seven-year-olds getting this message. You can see before your eyes their whole trajectory changing by learning these lessons. Yeah, that is amazing. You know, I have friends who I see them just going out and spending money just because they have it and for silly, silly things and doesn't give us meaning. But I love this message of joy. What do you really appreciate? How did you learn this? It's funny. I sort of stumbled upon it a little in a bit of a roundabout way. So the way I was raised was just, you know, noticing, appreciating the things around you and noticing there's multiple ways to having a rich life. And a lot of it is perspective. And a lot of that was taught by my mom growing up, but I didn't actually realize how powerful those lessons were and how different they were. And so I've always sort of seen things a little different. So even money, I was, you know, investing when I was 10 and reading finance books when I was 10. And, and this wasn't for my parents. I was just a money nerd. I was one of those kids. But people took it as someone who just wanted to have more stuff and cared about money. But it wasn't that at all. I saw it as freedom and access to doing the things you love and living a different life and not being stuck even at that age. So as I got older, recognizing that and wanting to pass those lessons on to my kids, I started talking about this and writing the book. Do your kids get it? They do, but in varying degrees, which is so amazing. And some of that is just the age that they got it. Some of it's just their own personalities. My youngest one, for example, all he wants is experiences. He doesn't want things. He doesn't want stuff. He's not interested. He wants experiences because that is his awesome stuff. And he recognizes that. Whereas my older son loves hobbies, gets into things, all sorts of hobbies. He gets into something like trains or aquariums or terrariums or computers or Nerf guns and just gets immersed in them and starts like building them and changing them and modifying them. And so he's always finding things to spend money on. So it's a whole different perspective. But this is what I love about, again, the simplicity of the book. So this idea of the awesome stuff, it sounds very simple. And we're like, yes, just buy what you love. And I can do that. You can do that. We're already doing that. There's nothing new there. But there really is because we're not pausing to really think of what's important. So even with my kids who are different, my younger one and my older one, I'll post them. Is that your awesome stuff? And you'll see them stop and reflect like, is this something that's really important to me? And then after that, whatever they consume or whatever their decision is or what they buy or what they want or what they decide doesn't matter. That practice of pausing and reflecting, that's the power in this whole thing. And that's what even we as adults typically don't do. Like, what is your awesome stuff? And people don't actually really know, or they might throw off a quick answer, but it really isn't because it's not something they're embodying. It's not something they're excited about. It's not what keeps them up at night because they're so excited. It's just a thing they think they want to buy or they've seen on TV because we really don't pause and reflect enough. No, we don't. You know, as a an energy healer myself, I'm a Reiki master, and I know that money is energy. And where we send our energy makes a huge difference in what comes back to us. So this message, I think, is so refreshing to think of money in a different way as a tool. Exactly. And it is, I mean, I'm big into energy and spirituality as well. And I get that. And that's the thing. It really is a tool. So the same people will say, well, you know, I just wish I had more time with the kids or I wish I could travel. Or I could do these things. And yet their habits are saying the opposite because they're working long hours and they're creating a lifestyle that needs that work to facilitate that lifestyle. And it's taken away their freedom and time with their kids and all these things. And there really is an energy to it. And so one of the lessons in the book is give and you'll have more. And there's a massive energy to that. And again, when you talk about these lessons to kids, 
I've, for example, recently I had a young kid contact me, maybe a seven-year-old, and he was in the process of giving some stuff to a local food bank. And on the way, stumbled upon, like he found two pennies. And this is a seven-year-old. So he's just over the moon. Like these two many pennies, he can't believe how rich he is already. He didn't even get to the food bank and already is richer. And he's telling me this and you could just feel the excitement and you could feel that energy. And so if you think of this young child who now believes the more he gives and the more he puts out there, the more that's going to come back that again is going to change that child's life and the way he views the world. And you can already feel he's going to have a richer life because of it. So it's all, it is all energy. It is all energy. I love that. That's a great and simple message for a seven-year-old to understand. Mm -hmm. And again, when I was saying I I wrote this book in the guise of an adult, but for kids, that seven-year-old gets it. Whereas the 30-year-old or 40-year-old or 50-year-old, if I tell them the same message, they might not have noticed the two pennies or they might be expecting something else or they'd be throwing in the yeah buts like here's an example of when I gave and nothing came back or I'm not richer and they're thinking of all these things and it's just you feel that resistance and the young kids they just get it and they get it so quickly and that's what's so beautiful is like this is how we change the way we think about money. It is absolutely, you know, I go to unity, unity, the unity churches worldwide. And one of our powers from God is elimination so that when we eliminate things that we no longer need, we have more space for our good to arrive. It's love how everything kind of ties up in that way, you know? Exactly. And that's the thing. And that's what we don't realize is if we just take for granted that more is better, then we don't recognize that lesson you just mentioned. Like, no, more is not better. I mean, if I had 20 beautiful mansions around the world, like I can't spend time in all of them. I can't go to them. I can't appreciate them or enjoy them. They're just taking up space and headspace and effort and people looking after them. They're sitting there. Like that's the thing is we think we want more, but the reality is at the end of the day, we don't. Like our favorite memories probably aren't these things that feel so grandiose. It's, you know, a sip and tea with your grandma or watching the kids play in the backyard or that first enjoying some new experience that we hadn't experienced, you know, experienced before. And it's usually not the excess and the more that we think it is. And that ends up being more of a distraction from the things we really love. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. No, I totally take that point of money being a distraction when used in a certain way, but being a tool when we tie it to our true why and our true passions. I think that's important. So your book, also goes into like real estate investing and financial freedom. So let's kind of scale back to the investing. How do you talk to kids about that? So again, and that was a tricky chapter because like I'm a money nerd. So if you wanted to just talk about investing for your members and people listening in, I mean, I could talk about investing all day long and just actually came back from a money conference called FinCom, which is, you know, their whole tagline is where money nerds unite. So I can talk about this stuff forever. But what I realized, and this is where in the book, I try to talk about it about more of as a habit, because the actual investments themselves aren't as important. The habit of taking a certain percentage of everything that comes in and just investing it, that habit has a much greater impact on your wealth and your trajectory financially than anything else. Then whether you're not, you should invest in Bitcoin. What's happening with Tesla? Is the interest rates, are they going up? Are they going down? Should I invest in a house? Like those things 
aren't as important as the habits. So in the book, I even talk about it that way because I love this stuff. So there's a little discussion with one of the mentors who's saying like, here's all the things and he's talking about interest rates and economics, like expenses for all these different accounts. And the boy's mind just sort of, it's too much. And then he responds, or you just go to a bank, find an advisor, find someone to help you, and they can do all that for you. And that's the thing is like the specifics, the mechanics, there's people who specialize in this in the same way that when our car is broken down, we take it to a dealership and have it fixed. We don't need to know all the details, but knowing to actually have the habit of investing that we can all do. So yeah, in the book and with young kids, I don't get into the weeds and most people don't want it. Adults as well. They don't know where they're investing. They just know that they are. That's a very, very good point because I have no clue about investing, but I put my money in my investment accounts. And so there's somebody much smarter than me that takes care of all of that stuff. Yeah, great lesson for kids. So when you're teaching kids to have financial freedom, how do you approach that? So, I mean, I don't want to give a huge spoiler to the book, but hopefully the kids will, they'll read it separately from the parents or the parents have a bit of an idea and they see what's going on. Because this isn't a book about piggy banks and lemonade stands. Like this really is a book that teaches a new way of viewing money and freedoms. So the beginning of this quest, the young boy is thinking of all the riches that he'll have and all the things he'll buy. Because at the end of this quest, he's expecting it. He feels it's like a treasure hunt and he's going to find all these riches at the end of this, you know, this big adventure and go to buy anything he wants. And over the course of the journey, he starts recognizing, as we talked about, like the awesome stuff, what's important to him, what's he value, what's really important and realizes it's not more things. So there's a bit of a confusion, like why why even save in the first place? Why invest in the first place? Because usually when we think of these things, it's just to buy more stuff. And that's where I, he learns the lesson that no, all that money isn't to buy more stuff. It can actually become a source of income for you. Your money can work for you. And that can create the freedom and the financial independence to do more of what you love, which could still be working. I hate this idea of like retire and never do anything again. Like everyone's why is going to be different, but once your money's working for you and you have a little bit more freedom to do more of the things you love and not feel constrained, that's really the goal of all this, not for more things, but for more freedom. More freedom. So yeah, everybody's why is different. David, what is your why? Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. I don't want to take too much of your time, but I would like to ask you a few simple favors. First of all, please rate, review, and share this podcast wherever you're listening. You know, it sounds like a simple little thing, and it is, but it has a huge impact for us because it helps other people find us in the podcasting algorithms. I don't know how it works, but I do know that it helps a lot. Next, if you would subscribe or follow wherever you're listening, whether that's YouTube or Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, Spotify, wherever you're listening, just hit subscribe or follow, and that helps you and it helps us. 
it helps you because then you receive notifications when we have a new episode that's out. It helps us because again, algorithm, magic, I don't know what happens, but it helps. And then finally, you can support our podcast in a tangible way by going to radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash podcast, and then click on support the show. Now we have a new feature too. We are now on Patreon. You can find us on Patreon. You can also find the link to Patreon when you go to radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash podcast. So on Patreon for $3 a month or $5 a month, you can support your metaphysical and spiritual growth. You can learn about upcoming guests and you can get early and ad-free versions of the shows. So please support us. This podcast is free for you to listen, but we have costs and quite frankly, they come out of my pocket. So if you like this content, if you get a lot out of it, please see what you can do to give back. Thank you so much. For me, I love new experiences, but impact is a big one for me. Like this whole thing is just, I love when kids come back to me and tell me about something they got excited about in the book, especially if they've changed it where it doesn't like they've changed the words or it's not quite right or the lesson's not quite right, but you can tell it's their version of it. And they're like, yeah, it's this, right? I'm like, it it doesn't matter. Like I just feeling their enthusiasm and excitement. Like I really love seeing that. I've got two young boys. So anytime I get to spend time with them and like adventure, travel experiences. And when I talk about experiences, like my older son, he's 14. We just went to visit my brother in Sydney and went scuba diving on the Great Barrier Reef, which just for me, like things like that, that is my why. It's just experience the world, something new, some adventure. And it could be anything. It could be scuba diving. It could be food. It could be architecture. It could be people. Like there's just, I really feel like there's so much around us that's so amazing and beautiful. Just experiencing. Anything can be an experience if you look at it in the right way, right? <laughs> I love that for the boys. And you said your younger one values experiences more than stuff. For sure. So for him, we don't do the scuba diving. He's a little younger. He loves to get lost in a city and seek out like ice cream and treats and stumble upon things. So if we're traveling, like I remember being in Belgium and just getting lost in some like off the beaten track spots, stumbling upon little spots that have ice cream or like a little side stand with fries. And that for him is that's his awesome stuff. And that's what's so neat about if you start having these conversations as a family, then you start recognizing what everyone else's awesome stuff is. So there's no guilt. There's no shame. It's, oh, his thing is ice cream and Slurpees and his is terrariums and bikes or whatever it might be. And as a family, this is what we value. And it's really fun to start having those conversations because that's, again, where money, there's all these like, this is how you should do it. This is what you should like. If you don't do it this way, you're bad. Like, There's just so much emotion tied up into it. And that's really what I'm trying to talk about here is like, no, like, what is your why without any shame, without any guilt and really understanding what you value and everyone it's different. So that's what's so amazing. I love that. Now, you said you grew up being a money nerd. How did you get to that (laughs) and get into that? So I always thought I just always was because like, as long as I can remember, I remember like going in like those old, like I'm old enough that I remember when we had telephones and check for change in the telephones and get money for food or little treats and holding on to it. But as I've gotten older, I really thought back on it because I've had this question asked a lot. My dad, he was very blue collar and worked really hard, but he hated his job. And he just saw work as something you do that you hate 
you have to do it. And it gives you money and then just spend it all. He wasn't a saver. He wasn't an investor. He made a lot of money, but it just flowed through his hands and he hated his job. And so for the longest time, I always thought work was something that you're supposed to hate. And if you didn't hate it, it wouldn't be called work, which isn't true at all. But that was my belief. And so I just would think like, it just felt like there had to be a different way. And then once I found that I could put money in a bank account and get earn interest for free, I was like, well, that seems easier. And so it just sort of, it's one of those things where once I recognized that money could be a tool to earn more money and there's an easier way than doing a job you hate, it just sort of became something I became more fascinated with. What? Were you able to teach your dad that? Oh, no, we disagree right to the very end. He's passed away now for over 10 years. But yeah, we disagree. But it was fun. It was a very like, he had his views and I had my views. And I remember looking at places and he'd be like, yeah, but that's all, you know, money on paper, or it doesn't count if you don't earn it yourself. And again, all these views and emotions that we have and stories that we have around money that it doesn't really count. And it's just not true. Like there's a lot of different ways to earn money, spend money, make money, and all of it's valid. Yes. All of it is valid. It's just energy. Mm-hmm. And are you boys getting that idea that it's just energy and it can work for us? Yeah, for sure. Cause again, I got to be careful. Cause especially with my older boy, like I said, he likes to spend. So by talking about money all the time, I can see him getting concerned or worried or feeling shame around his own spending habits. And I don't want that. Like, I don't want money to be something they think about all the time. So I try to really assure him, like, these are habits you can build in and keep this simple. Like if you take 20% of everything that comes in and just put it into the stock market, let someone look after it for you, that money's going to grow within 20, 30 years, it'll be earning more than you. So this is something that you don't really need to worry about or stress about if you build in the right habits. And so, yeah, trying to assure them, let them know that these are the options and it will all be fine. And, and having these discussions, like a lot of it is the either, or, so we don't have enough of those discussions with our kids. It's, we can't afford that. The reality is we can typically afford whatever they want, especially our kids. Like we could afford the ice cream or the bike or even the vacation. It's, we choose not to, because something else is more important to us. Maybe it's working less. Maybe it's a new car. Maybe it's a rental in the house. Maybe it's their school tuition. Like we're making decisions all the time. And by letting the kids know this is the decision we're making and why, it really takes away a lot of these stories we have around money. Like we don't have enough and we can't afford it. And if only this and if only that. No, we're making decisions all the time about what our priorities are. And that's again, back to the awesome stuff. It sounds simple, but if you really sit on that message, it allows you to really question your priorities. What are your priorities? What you're spending and buying and doing, that's dictating what your priorities are. And if those priorities aren't really what's important to you, then change them. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's great. Now, your book is a graphic novel and it's really adorable. Why did you choose to go that route rather than a kid's book with just simple illustrations? So originally it was simple illustration. This was going to be a book for my boys. It wasn't meant to be something that was for the mass masses. And I just want to get this information down. And because they're my kids and I'm their dad, I'd be like, you're reading this. It doesn't matter if it's boring. Learn these messages. But I knew they'd hate it. But that's all I could picture in my mind. Because I've never actually seen a graphic novel finance book. So I didn't even think of it as an option. But I remember being at their school library where I'd volunteer and watching the kids just 
all want to read graphic novels and the librarian trying to convince the kids, get some chapter books. Don't just get one graphic novel. That's it. And I was thinking to myself, why fight this system? Like, this is what the kids want to read. This is how they're consuming information. This is what they get excited about. And it just seems so simple. And even now I've got young kids who can't even read and they'll just flip through the book. And to me, like so amazing and such a win. Like this is a book about money, like financial literacy. And you're getting three-year-olds, four-year-olds reading it of their own volition. I mean, that's just incredible. That is incredible. And the illustrations I have to say are very, very cute. How did you go about finding your illustrator? So I really wanted something that had a bit of a Calvin and Hobbes style, like something that was more universal. Adults could get it as well. It wasn't so kid-like. And so I really searched and that's where I stumbled upon Travis, Travis Hansen and some of his work and reached out to him directly and and sort of sold him on this project because he was busy with his time as well. But I knew that his style, it would be perfect for this medium. No, it's great. And I hope that you're selling just tons and tons of copies. Do you go out and do readings at all at local libraries or schools? Yeah, like I love interacting with the kids. So just recently, like I said, I was at this conference doing a talk about teaching Gen Z. I'll get into schools and do talks as well and in classrooms. So it was sort of any opportunity I get to be in front of kids. I've done a few bookstore readings. So really, really for me, the message is so important. Any way that I can share that message and get into in front of an audience and talk about it, I do. So, so yeah. yeah, so if you or anyone else knows of an audience that would resonate with this message, I'm happy to show up and and do a talk and presentation for them. Well, I have to say our demographic is more people like me, but, you know, rather than kids. And so I'm sure we've got grandparents and moms and dads who would love to share this book because it is just so adorable. Do you have any plans for future books or future lessons? Yeah, I'm trying to right now really share this message. So I'm working on a teacher-student workbook companion with it. Oh, And some stuff... Yeah. So some stuff to go along with it. And same with that'd be with parents too. So they can sit down with their kids and have these conversations as a family before they read each chapter of the book and talk about the things and have some information. So that I'm definitely looking into right now. And I do have some ideas for future books, but they probably won't be around finance. They'd probably be around like more mindfulness. And I've got a really great idea for a book around just noticing the beauty in your backyard, for example. That would be wonderful. I'd love to have you back to talk about that. Is it going to be a graphic novel? Yes, it'd be a graphic novel again. I mean, for me, I didn't think I would find myself really in this niche. But as I recognize just how open younger kids are to like these big ideas, everything from now on, for me, the lever I see in terms of like having an impact and changing the world and the way we think, it's with the young kids. So, Was that a yes. surprise to you? Um, I was surprised by how big a difference it made. Like even if I talk to like a five or seven year old versus a 10 or 12 year old, I already feel a difference in resistance and see how much more difficult it is for them to be open to these new ideas. There's a lot more pushback, even in those 10, 12, 13 year old ages that I didn't expect to such a degree. And that's, again, just the way we're brought up with so much so much peer pressure and outside information and cynicism, it comes into play pretty fast. So like those five to seven-year-olds, if you capture them at that age, they're just open and excited and they have the enthusiasm and they get these big concepts so much faster. Well, that is exciting. And then they, hopefully these concepts stay with them as they get Mm -hmm. old. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Now in your book, you also teach about mindfulness, money mindfulness. 
So what do you mean by money mindfulness? Again, it's that where awareness and pausing. Like right now, so much of our stuff's just on autopilot. Like most adults, if we question them, like, why do you live in the house you live in? Why did you buy the car you did have? Why are you doing the job you're doing? And we just get caught up in it. It's like, well, and I got a promotion and I did another job. And just the momentum takes us in a certain direction without ever really questioning our choices or what we're doing. So the money mindfulness is just really pausing, reflecting what's important to us. What do we value? What's the trajectory we're on? And is it like, is that the direction we want to be going? And that's why I went back to this idea of the, the pausing reflection. I'd like to give this example of like, as a parent, we can resonate with this of a, a kid begging for like, say an ice cream cone or something. And we're so used to just, you know, either giving in because the temper tantrum is too big and we just give in or we're like, no, we can't afford it. Or we can't or not right now. Like all these things, we're just fighting with our children on this. And it's such a difficult situation. Whereas with the money mindfulness, if we put it back on the child and ask them, is that your awesome stuff? And they're forced to pause and reflect, look at the thing and think like, is this really what's important to me? That pause and reflection and that new way of sort of having these conversations with our kids when they're asking for something, that can change everything. And to me, that's money mindfulness. And that's a skill that as they get older, they'll continually have. So when they're, you know, looking at a job or a friendship or a purchase, if they just pause and reflect, is this really what I value? Is this my awesome stuff? Is this my why? That will have such a big impact on the trajectory of their life. So when I, we started off and we talked about creating a richer life, this is what I mean by creating a richer life, figuring out what's really important to you and leaning into that all the time. Wow. So do you think there are any mistakes that parents make, teachers, community members make any mistakes that they make in teaching children about money? Always. I mean, that's what's so hard. I mean, I'm a dad, I've got 11 and 14 year old. And we see the mistakes all the time, just not just with money, but everything. Like you see it on our children's eyes where we talk to them and, you know, discipline them or say something or throw something out there. And you just see, you just see the sadness and you see the shift. And that's what happens with money where we don't mean to do it. So a good example, like a simple, simple one that we just take for granted, teaching your kids to save. We all teach our kids to save. There's nothing wrong with saving. I save to invest and have your money grow. We should all save. But what we don't realize is that typically we're not teaching them to save. We're teaching them that there's something big that they really can't afford right now that they want. And so we're teaching them lack. And then this is how we do it. We put our money away to buy this big thing. And so there's this idea of we can't afford that thing. So we feel like we have less, but once we save enough, we'll be able to buy it. And then as soon as we buy that thing, we start the whole process over again and start saving again. And that traps us in this whole endless consumerism. So we think by saving, we're teaching our kids to be really good with money, but inadvertently we're teaching them to be endless consumers and always be seeking the next big thing that they're saving for that they can never achieve. And then once they achieve it, there'll be another thing. So it's this endless cycle of chasing something that we can't have and until we die. And that's really what's happening in that lesson, which is not what we want to be teaching at all. Right. I like that. I think that we do miss the mark because we're looking at money in a non-mindful way. I think this is very, very helpful. Very good. So David, you've got some things that you're working on coming up. Is there anything else about the golden quest, your journey to a rich life? I haven't asked, or we haven't talked about that you want 
our listeners to know about? I mean, the big thing is, like we started at the beginning, it's for kids, but the lessons aren't for kids. So don't see this as something that, you know, you toss your kids, they'll learn a little bit about money, and they might learn some of the things like saving that you'd like to teach them. It's not that at all. Like this really will have an impact on how they think about money and what it means to them to leave, live a rich life. So I love the idea of families reading it with their kids and the whole family growing from this. And really my goal is to get to a point where everyone knows what it means when we talk about the awesome stuff and is that your awesome stuff and just pausing and being a little bit more mindful. And that's the sort of the change I'm trying to create. Cause I think once we start doing that, it'll change the way we think about money and what it means to live a rich life. So that's what I'm trying to create here. Yeah. That's the final word, the lesson, isn't it? Right. To create this dialogue between members of the family. Right. And open up the conversation. I think this book is important. I think it's going to help a lot of people to heal their relationship with money and to be more mindful in what they're doing with it. So thank you for writing it. I'm really happy to be able to talk about it. Yeah. Thanks so much. No, it's been a lot of fun. And, and for me, it's so rewarding to sort of have this out there and build this whole message. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah. Well, thank you. And if anyone wants to learn more, oh, yeah. The awesome. Yeah. Where do we find it? Theawesomestuff.com is yeah. the website. Instagram and TikTok is the awesome stuff. So again, everything is built around this concept of what is your awesome stuff? So the awesome stuff and the book itself is the golden quest. You can find it at Amazon. You can request it at your local bookstore. You can contact me directly. And again, if anyone wants me to, you know, come speak to, you know, their organization or, and at their school, I'm happy to share this message because for me, it's really is the impact I'm trying to create. This isn't outside of this. This is just purely, purely my passion. So yeah, absolutely. And the website is theawesomestuff.com. And you can find this book, I'm sure wherever fine books are sold. Yeah. So you can anywhere where the books are sold. So it's self-published, but I work with a distributor. So you can get it at any bookstore. They can access it and request it. And it's, it'll be part of their, their directory. That sounds awesome. I'm glad that this is out there in the world. And again, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, well, thank you. And yeah, it's definitely been fun. And I always love talking about this stuff. Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Aaron Dendy-Smith, and Meredith Tolleson. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.